Coming up on the best of Girls by Footy on RSN Carnival, we catch up with the Nottingham Scorpions, Renia Ramadan. Baltimore Washington's Molly Halberstadt. Wandsworth Demons, Hallie Canton. The Glasgow Sharks, Stacey Hughes. The Vancouver Vixens, Erin Regan. And Red Hills, Kate Riley. This is the best of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Just a quick reminder, of course, you can find out all the latest women's footy news by going to girlsplayfooty.com or finding us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Just search for Girls Play Footy. Earlier in the year, we caught up with the Nottingham Scorpions' Rania Ramadan. Nottingham had just been beating everyone, despite not actually being in a league. They had taken part in pre-season competitions in London and up in uh, Scotland, and whenever sides would tour by the Nottingham area. Now, when they couldn't play in the league, a number of their players would head down to London, for example, and play with the North London Lions. The Nottingham Scorpions supplied a good lot of players to the GB Swans, who would end up finishing third in IC17 in Melbourne in August this year. We caught up with one of their stars, Renia Ramadan, and asked how did she get involved in Aussie Rules football? Yeah, so um, a few years ago, so in 2013, uh, Laura and I went out to uh, Australia for the year and um, we were both teaching out there. And uh, we went along and watched um, the Sydney Uni Bombers. We had a, a friend out there that was playing. We were like, oh, God, that game looks brutal. Um, so we were like, oh, I probably won't try that. We'll play a bit of soccer and a bit of basketball and netball. And then it was just all over the TV. So, like, a few weeks later, we are like, oh, actually, let's, you know, let's give it a go. And uh, we got in touch with our friend Lara, who um, plays for Sydney Uni Bombers, and uh, went down to training, and the rest is history, really. Now, if I'm correct, looking at the statistics in 2014, I think you snuck in a couple of games and uh, even featured in being listed as part of the best players in a game against the Newtown Breakaways. <laughs> yeah, we did, yeah. And we basically did like, all of pre-season. And then because of when we were flying back to England, we literally only managed like a couple of games. Um, but it was like, yeah, it was really, really good like, to play. And, you know, the girls were really good with us and the manager out there, you know, was really patient and taught us the game well, really. Um, so, yeah, we had, a, we had a good start out there. And then obviously we play, only got to play a couple. And then we came back to England and we were like, right, well, just spent all that time learning this like fantastic game. And um, we were like, right, well, how are we going to get involved and, and play it here? And one of the girls, Libby, um, she's like in charge of like, the development out there in Australia. And she just said, oh, like get in touch with your PFL. They do play it um, like over in England and just like try and get involved. So we did, yeah. Now, the one thing for you, of course, is you're with the Nottingham Scorpions, which is a couple of hours out of London. We know the London competition's got four teams going. So how was it trying to get Aussie rules going for women up in Nottingham? Yeah, um, well, when we got back from Australia, um, we actually ended up playing some games in Newcastle uh, and um, in Sheffield. And then there was a couple of games in London. We just we just basically tried to get anybody in England that was playing Aussie rules. We got loads of like all-star like players together to try and have a game. Um, and then Laura managed to find um, like the Nottingham men's Scorpions team. So we're like, oh, so we just got in touch with them really um, and started training with them. Um, and then so from two, it then became three, and then we got our friends involved and just asked like anybody really wanted to come down. Then it ended up like being a solid six of us um, from Nottingham. And then we ended up playing for North London Lions in the London League. And then I think basically we had a couple of seasons, well, we had a season with the Hawks girls, uh, Laura and I, and then we had a season with North London Lions. 
Um, and then I think just from there, really, we've like publicised it on Facebook and like we always tell our friends about it and we just try and get everybody like involved. So then we had a few more people like turn up to the Nottingham Men's Scorpions team with us. And then we just kind of thought, well, right, let's let's try and get a women's team. Um, I know that we've only got the London League here in England at the moment, but, you know, eventually, as it's growing, and it's growing, it's multiplying, really, um, then maybe we might be able to get, like, a Midlands League or even, like, a Northern League and try and play some more games there. So, yeah, we've just tried to get involved with the men, really. They've been really, really supportive with us. Um, like, they'd, like, take the training sessions and... We just got a few more girls in and, and that was it really. We started. So, yeah, we played our first uh, tournament at the weekend in the Haggis Cup and uh, we had you know, really great success. We, we won the tournament, so we're really, really happy with that. Before we have a look at that in detail, let's just step back for the moment. How has pre-season been like for you and what are the current numbers looking like for the women's team at the Nottingham Scorpions? Uh, yes, the Nottingham Scorpions, we've got maybe about... We've only got like 13, 14 girls that have been training each week, um, which has been fantastic, really. Um, and then they've got some, some new them, some new men's players as well. Uh, but we had a, a, like a little friendly um, against our, our team, North London Lions. They came up a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was really, really good for the girls to get involved and like play a full game of nine aside. Um, so yes, yeah, so that was good. And so you could just like tell that. Each week from training, like all their skills and they're understanding the game a little bit more, and it's always like really useful to play, you know, against girls that have played, maybe played before or you know developing in the game. Um, and yeah, we so we played against the Lions a couple of weeks ago. We ended up winning by quite a bit, so that was that was really good progress and that like, really good for the girls, you know, like really motivated them to, you know, want to keep trying because it's really difficult, isn't it, learning a new game. And, um, you know, you've got to be really patient and determined and stuff. And, and we've, you know, we've been really good with the girls. And like we said, the men have been really good with us. So they came down and supported the game. And so hopefully we'll get more and more coming down to training. The score against the Lions prior to the um, Haggis Cup was extraordinary. 128 to nil. You've thumped a side who's playing more regular competition. Yeah, we had... Um, so obviously there's like there's six of us that play regularly, um, but you know the new girls that have come along, you know they've really added depth to the squad, and um, yeah we uh, we gave them yeah it was <laughs> it was a pretty strong lead. We're um, we're a bit relentless really. We it was used as a training game for us, so we just carried on playing like the best football that we can, and so when, yeah the score ended up creeping up quite a bit, but it was a really really enjoyable day for the girls. Um, you know the lines they had quite a few new players as well, so. Although the scoreline didn't reflect well on them, um, you know, the progress that would have been made for the girls and, and for our girls was, was incredible, really. And certainly a confidence boost for you as you headed up to Glasgow to take on the Sharks, the Giants, uh, the two Wandsworth Demons teams as well in the five-team round robin. Yeah, it was, well, it was just a perfect stepping stone for them, you know, so they could get, um, you know, just off a few of the cobwebs and, and just put a few of the things that we've been practising in training, and um, you know, like into practice. So it was really good for the girls. Um, you know, they were all really, really nervous. Um, uh, you know, and it's the first time we've, like, properly played. You know, it was like a tournament. Um, but, yeah, they're just like, you know, Laura captained as well. You know, she guides the girls through it. She motivates them, gives them, you know, good, like, coaching techniques and stuff. So... You know, we were kind of all in it together and, you know, we just kind of relaxed as we 
as we got onto the pitch for the first game, it was a bit frantic to start with, but as the time and the games went through, the progress that our new girls made was just unreal. And I think, you know, like we've come back from the weekend and everybody's buzzing. Um, so, you know, we've got messages, pictures, you know, all, flying all over social media and the girls just, they want a big come down now. Um, you know, they, they're, they're really getting stuck into it and they're all going to come and play in the London League now as well as a result of that. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really good. We've had a really good day, really good weekend. Fantastic to hear. In your mind, first of all, who did you find as your toughest opposition on the day? Um, on the day, uh, the Demons girls, they, um, they have, they've like doubled in size just this, just this pre-season. So they had one, um, they had one team last year uh, in the London League. And this year, what they've, I don't know if you've heard of this yet, they've, um, they've opened up like four more teams in London mm-hmm. and they're going to do like a Premier League and a, like a, a Div 1 League, if you like. So the Demons have got like 70 people at training, like 70 women at training week in, week out. 70 so women? Two teams of 70 women. I know, it's absolutely incredible. So um, they're like, just just alone, that one team in London has now got 70 like women players. So compared to like last season, um, when there might have only been like 100 girls, like in, in all four leagues, they've got 70 alone. So that's absolutely massive for us. You know, like moving forward in the London League just alone. Um, so yeah, so they had like a real mixture of like quite a few Aussies. Um, they had like quite a few new girls, and they had some of their um, like experienced players that we came across in the last couple of seasons. But yeah, they were definitely our um, our stronger competitors. Um, but you know, like it's a learning curve for the girls. So every game we were going out there. It was just right. What we're going to work on this game? What we're going to work on now? And they set up a few different uh, tactical things. So some of them played like an extra man in defence in the back line. So that we then had to adjust the way that we were playing, um, you know, to suit that and stuff. So, yeah, it was good. A good test. And how did you find the competitiveness of the Scottish teams? I know the Glasgow Giants did have a bit of a partnership with the Wimbledon Hawks for that uh, tournament. But how did you find them and, and, for example, the Glasgow Sharks and how their development's coming along compared to some of the London teams? Um, yeah, I mean, the Glasgow Sharks, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've got quite a few of the rugby girls in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they are naturally just always, you know, um, really strong. Um, you know, you have to move the ball around a bit more to, you know, to get past those girls because they do read the game well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, they put up a really good fight. Um, and there's quite a few of our GB girls um, that play for the Sharks as well. So that was always quite an interesting game when you're playing against like some of your, you know, your teammates and stuff. So that was, uh, that was a good battle. And, of course, uh, we know that there's some spots on the line for the GB Swans for IC17. So out of your Nottingham team, who did you felt uh, performed best on the day for the tournament? Yeah, so uh, Laura, our captain, she got um, best and fairest on ground. Um, you know, she's just misconsistent. So week in, week out, she you know, she plays well, plays strong. Uh, Lee, our, um, our rook, you know, she's incredible. She's come away with some absolute bruises and right peaches all over her body this weekend. She's just, she's relentless as well. She just doesn't give anybody a second. Um, you know, so they're like two really strong players. Um, you know, best swept up in the defence 
and a couple of our new girls, they, um, well, they all did really well. Uh, Lucy Geedon, she had some phenomenal marks in the um, in the final, and that was actually just really, really nice to see because you know these girls that came with us for the Scorpions, they only started training in February, um, you know, and then so a couple of months later they're they're on that pitch, you know, and then made the world of a difference for that team. So that was, they were really, really good, and we just hope that they're all going to you know come down and try for. Uh, the England Vixens, and um, there's a few spots still available for the GB uh, squad going out to the IC. So, you know, the more girls that we can get down to the trials, the you know, the better. So hopefully there'll be, uh, there'll be a few more Scorpions showing up in the line. So what does the year ahead look like for the Nottingham Scorpions, considering you're not a team in a competition? Is it just a case of most of the girls now going down to play in London? Are you looking for more scratch matches for the Scorpions to play? Yeah, so, I mean, definitely we want to try and get some more scrap matches to play. It's just, it, it will be difficult moving forward in the next couple of months because the London League will start in May. And so every Saturday we'll be going down there to play. Um, and hopefully we'll take the four or five girls with us um, each week. But there are a couple of uh, weekends where we don't have games for the Lions. Um, so we're going to try and set up some some more games up here and support our men's team so when they've got like one of their big headers then we will um, either like play before them and stuff so um, we're going to try and do some work with some of the Welsh girls uh, we're going to do like a training session up in Wales to try and promote the um, you know the participation up there it might be that moving forward we might get quite a few of those Welsh girls that could come down and like play our girls um, in July, we're looking at, um, you know, trying to get a scrap match then. So just any, like anybody that wants to play, really, um, you know, we've got quite a few uh, teams in the Manchester area. So it might be that we try and just try and get some women from there to come along with the men's teams and just kind of, if anybody can play and pitch in, they don't have to have like a, a team as such. Everything that we do really is just trying to improve the participation here in England. Um to, you know, obviously just to spread the passion and, and to live for the game that, that we all have. And you said about uh, spreading the word of the game. How easy has it been to do that now, considering that you can now stream online and, and show to these girls the AFL women's competition that's just being played here in Australia? Yeah, I mean, it was unreal and an and, and incredible timing um, of the women's uh, games out there, really, because it's all just been a massive lead-up for us into the IC. So, you know, every every weekend we had, we've streamed all the games, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, um, you know, we had the girls round, we were like, we had the book out, we were looking at stuff, writing things down, taking all the tactics and like, it's just been an absolutely, um, like, you know, real steep learning curve, you know, but obviously we're all still relatively new to the game, so watching those games was really, really good. And one of the Demons girls, actually, at the weekend said about doing, um, like a, a footy education, a, like a footy school um, evening. And we hadn't really thought about it because, you know, like when you, I mean, we obviously were, we raised here to play soccer and there's always soccer on at the weekend. So I think because it's always on, you kind of watch more of it. Whereas the other rules, we obviously don't really get to watch much of it. So she was saying about, you know, having a footy school, getting some of the games, um, you know, on the TV and stuff and talking and coaching some of the girls through that as one of their sessions. So I think we're definitely going to do that with the Scorpions um, and use that to, like, move forward. Uh, and obviously it's just really good prep for the IC and 
I think the best thing for us now is that we've got the London League coming up. So we've had this, um, you know, at the training with the Scorpions and that will continue all through the summer. Uh, but also, you know, as soon as the London League starts, we can go back, watch some of the games online, think about some of the things that they've done there and, and try and put that into practice on a Saturday. That's fantastic to hear about the development of the game over there in the UK. Now, we need to also focus just quickly on the UK Swans, pardon me, the GB Swans there in the UK. Um, you've actually got a, a bit of a practice game coming up for them as well. You've got the tournament, uh, including the Irish Banshees and the Canada Midnight Suns uh, coming up in May. Yeah, that's, um, that's going to be an interesting one with our, uh, our main competitors. Um, but, you know, we're just using it as a training experience. You know, we'll get around and talk to the coaches and, you know, be a really good chance for the squad to get together properly and um, and have a, you know, a, an ideal game of, of and have a look at where we're going to be and, and some of the things that we're going to try and do when we're out in the IC. Um, you know, a lot of the GB Swans are all um, training. They're all, uh, most of them will be playing in the London League. So the, the preparation really, it, it starts now. Well, it's, you know, it started previously, but making sure that we get down there and show the Banshees and um, and the Canadians, you know, what we're what we're made of already. We want to put a bit of threat into them so they can go away and rethink some of their strategies to make sure that we get some good games. So it'd be good. And of course, then in August, uh, Melbourne for IC17. Now, like a few players we've spoken to, they've never been to Melbourne before, so it's quite an experience for them. But for yourself, I know you've been there because you've mentioned in your IC17 interview the legendary St Kilda Cake Shops. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, um, we, took a, we took a head down St Kilda. Yeah, it was really good. We just went for, you know, well, we had tea. I wrote in there about coffee, but... I'm not a big coffee drinker, but I'll go and have a nice cup of tea and, um, and we hit some cakes down there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good place to hang out. Well, Renea, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. Congratulations on uh, being selected in the GB Swans to come down to Australia for IC17 and congratulations on being winners of the Haggis Cup last weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having us, and then um, maybe we'll see you down there. Earlier in the year, we caught up with the Baltimore-Washington Eagles' Molly Halberstadt before she was due to jump on a plane and fly to Iceland to play in the Arctic Cup. So we asked her, obviously, how she got involved in Aussie rules football, what football was like in the Baltimore-Washington region of the United States, and how this idea of playing in the Arctic Cup all came about. Sure. Well, um, I moved to Washington, D.C. right after I graduated school, and um, I did play rugby in college, so I was kind of looking for something similar. Um, didn't love the rugby community in D.C., and I came across this list that was like 10 really obscure sports in the D.C. area. So, of course, I clicked on it. I was actually looking for a badminton team or something, um, but instead I found study. Uh, Do you know much about Aussie Rules football before that list? I didn't know anything. Um, I had been to Australia before, but mostly um, just the West Coast, so I had been to Fremantle and Perth, but um, I, I think that's more a rugby state than a footy state, although I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had never really heard of it before, so I started watching it on YouTube, um, it looked insane, and uh, then I came out to practice. Yeah, definitely an Aussie rules state out west. I think there's a lot of shock listeners at the moment. No, no, we're not rugby. <laughs> and let's let's. Uh... <laughs> oh no, sorry. 
<laughs> no, no, don't apologise to me. Apologise to them. No, it's all fine. Um, so the Washington, uh, the, pardon me, the uh, Baltimore Washington Lady Eagles, uh, how, how long have they been established for? Um, so I'm actually not sure. I had to Wikipedia it. Um, it's because the club has been around since 1998. Um, but I'm not sure about the women's side, and nobody seems to know for sure. Uh, the thing is that we're not... We're still working on having a full team, and D.C. is a really transient city, so people are kind of in and out, um, so it's hard to generate a full team. So I'm, I think there have been women practicing with the men's side pretty much since the inception of the club, but I don't really know how we've, how we've come around in, in numbers throughout the years. So like you said, you didn't have a full-time, full team, uh, and I believe that you pair up a lot with the uh, Columbus Gillaroos to form a side for tournaments. We do, yeah. That's what we did for Nationals last year and also at Eastern Regional. Now, what is the mix like of uh, American and Aussie footballers there at the club, considering you're based in D.C. and obviously there's a lot of uh, people in public service and obviously Aussies that might be working in the embassy, etc. out that way? Yeah, actually, we are a completely American team right now. Last year, we did have one Australian girl playing with us. Um, she was from Melbourne and... She went back to Australia, unfortunately, but she came to nationals and everything. Um, I have been sort of trying to recruit people at the embassy. I went to an embassy event and uh, tried to talk up as many women as I could, but we'll see if any of them show up to practice. Let's hope so, uh, to boost the numbers there. And uh, when you said about going to the embassy, what are the things that you've been trying to do to recruit people to take up Aussie Rules football and join your side? Oh, I literally just chat up strange women all the time. Um, I I actually saw someone at the gym who was, she was running pretty fast. She looked pretty fit. She was doing some of the exercises that we actually do already in training. So I just went up to her and I was like, hey, you look fit. Do you want to play a sport? Um, I, I think she thought I was coming on to her. But eventually <laughs> I, I explained the sport and she seemed mildly interested. And as this happens a lot, um, I, I brought. I have a college friend who I played rugby with who just moved to D.C., so I brought her out to play footy. Um, she seems to like it. But I, I'm also trying to encourage the men's team to bring out their significant others or really any women that they know to play because I think word of mouth is the best way. But we have had a few people who just found our website and contacted us that way. Now, I believe uh, uh, your side is going to be playing in next week's Arctic Cup in Iceland. So the question has to be, how did Baltimore Washington Eagles uh, uh, become involved in this tournament? Okay, so uh, one, of, one of the guys, his name is Ryan, and he had been setting it up with the Iceland team. I'm not even sure how he found them, but I think Iceland had wanted to do a tournament for a while. And Iceland doesn't have a women's team, so originally we were going to be excluded from the tournament. And I was not happy about that because I wanted to go to Iceland. So I, I reached out to pretty much any women's team I, I could find, um, and it turned out that one of the one of the London teams has a women's side, and they wanted to come too. And so that was great. So I tried to get um, all of the Eagles I could to come out, and that was not enough for a full team. So I reached out to some of the other Eastern teams. So we actually have a mixed team coming. Um, there are a couple women from Boston, a few from New York, and one from Montreal, and then um, a couple of Eagles too. And that's fantastic to see that you're playing for the first Arctic Cup. It's a bit different, isn't it? On, on March 25th here in Australia, we've got the AFLW playing for the Premiership Cup. You're playing for also a unique cup, the Arctic Cup in Iceland. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm a little nervous because I've, I've only played in summer season, and I, I have really bad circulation, and I'm worried I won't be able to catch it if my hands are frozen. But I think we'll all be in the same boat there. So after the Arctic Cup, uh, what's ahead for the Washington? Uh, pardon me. What's ahead for the Baltimore Washington Lady Eagles? Yeah. So part of our um, recruiting strategy with the other East Coast teams is we set up this like metro league. So we're going to be playing small side um, and casual games before our official season starts. So that first one is going to be on April 22nd. It's in Baltimore. And um, it's to bring out a lot of new women and teach them the game. So we're doing a little clinic beforehand, uh, teaching skills, especially tackling, because the women have a much higher concussion rate than the men do. Um, And we sort of like to (laughs) mitigate that. And so then we're going to have a a small game, maybe nine aside, um, maybe tournament style. We're going to play it by year, depending on numbers. But... Yeah, we're, we're hoping that'll help recruiting if it's, if it's very casual and and offers a skills clinic beforehand. And then we have um, more official season, full eighteen games coming up later in um, in June, July. If I'm right, your first tournament I think is coming up in Riley, North Carolina. Yeah, that's our that's our Eastern Regionals, um, and after yeah, that's that's June. And then we have a game in Columbus in July and another game in Boston in July. And then August is the International Cup, so a lot of people are going to be in Australia for that. So we don't have any games for August. Um, and then we have a couple in September. And then October 21st, we're going to San Diego for National. Well, Molly, thank you very much for joining us here on the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. And before we let you go, if people want to get involved uh, with the Baltimore-Washington Lady Eagles, what can they do? Oh, wow. Anything. Um, okay, so you can find our website. We're just the Baltimore Washington Eagles Australian Rules Football Club. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, um, and there's a contact us button and a join button on our website. Um, I think we even have a, a very, very brief Wikipedia page, but definitely reach out. Um, we're definitely recruiting the men's side, too, um, if any guys are listening. But, yeah, we would love to have more women and definitely get the word out. And thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for again for your time, Molly, and all the best at the Arctic Cup coming up this Saturday. Thank you. This is the best of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. During the year, we caught up with the Glasgow Sharks' Stacey Hughes to ask her how footy was developing in Scotland, particularly with only two teams there, with the Glasgow Sharks and the greater Glasgow Giants, and how she was looking forward to not only representing Scotland at the AFL Euro 9s later in the year, but also representing the GB Swans at the AFL International Cup. Here's our chat with Stacey Hughes, and where we kicked off by asking how she first got involved in Aussie rules. Um, one of the, the soccer with, um, I knew one of the boys that used to run the Glasgow Sharks, and she just invited us down, and that was about five years ago now, and just been loving it ever since. Fantastic to hear. Now, what are the numbers like there at the Glasgow Sharks, uh, and how did all the women come to find this club and form the Sharks women's team? Um, we've got about between 10 and 15 women down at Senna and at Glasgow Sharks just now. Um, the club's growing every year between the men and the women's team. We've got great numbers down altogether. Um, we've grew quite substantially in the last two years because we've had quite a lot of girls come down um, from one of the local rugby teams. Um, we've just got girls getting in touch with the club via Facebook or online and wanting to come down, people getting their friends involved. Um, a couple of years ago we only had four or five girls, so we've kind of doubled our numbers in the last year or so. 
That is absolutely fantastic to hear that uh, the numbers are going well there. Uh, one thing that we've been asking a, a few players about as well is that um, watchafl.com, of course, was streaming the AFLW games uh, throughout February and March. How much has that been of a help to you to be able to show um, prospective new players this women's AFL competition? Oh, it's been absolutely fantastic, especially for the new girls coming in that have seen the AFL get into that games where it's women that's playing and seeing the difference between the women's game compared to the men's game. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic being able to pick a player that they see that they, they could play in that position and being able to strike that player. It's been absolutely awesome for new players to, to have a go and for existing players as well to kind of think, well, that's what that player's doing, that's what I should be doing and helping our existing players improve as well. Now, of course, uh, the seasons are opposite. We've just had our summer here. You've just had, once again, a very cold winter up there in Scotland. So what has been the pre-season training been like to warm up for your season, which kicks off around now? And and, and how have you got around the uh, uh, wintry conditions there in Scotland? Uh, We've done a lot of kind of fitness. um, A lot of our new players on the basic skills. And even taking down existing players, getting some of the the basics right, because once you've got your foundation to build on, you can you can go anywhere with that really. Um, the Glasgow Sharks are training in during the winter, so um, we had to have an all surface pitch so that we're getting good numbers throughout the winter and it's indoors because we don't really take a break. We kind of train nearly 52, 52 weeks a year, so um, we train indoors so that we can keep numbers up. Now, of course, you've got coming up uh, this weekend the Haggis Cup. Can you tell us what that's all about? Um, the Haggis Cup is going to be absolutely awesome this year for the last couple of years. We've only had one women's game, so it's been a one-off game. There's only been two teams entered um, this year. Five women's teams. There's going to be two Scottish teams this year. So it's absolutely fantastic to see two Scottish teams, two Scottish women's teams taking part, two Scottish men's teams. And it's great for the women's game in Scotland that we can have two teams taking part in this this big massive competition for AFL Scotland. And teams from a broad range of areas, because as you said, you've got the Glasgow Sharks, and then I think there's a Glasgow Giants combined with Wimbledon Hawks team. Uh, Wandsworth Demons are sending two teams, and in between, Nottingham Scorpions are also sending a team. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think the players are coming up, so there's, there's quite a lot of GB players spread throughout them teams, so there's going to be a high quality of players coming up, um, and it's great to see um, the Hawks and the Wandsworth the Demons coming up from the, uh, the London League, so they'll be quite experienced. For some of them, it'll be their first game, which is absolutely fantastic to be playing a tournament in Scotland with five teams their first game for some of the Glasgow Sharks. And for the Sharks, once the Haggis Cup is over, what does the rest of your season look like? How do you get those opportunities to play more games of football? Well, I think that's the Sharks. We've actually got a mixed league so within our club, so they'll be getting, and getting very quick experience to playing in a mixed team with the men as well. And then we'll be looking for to get some friends on the go with maybe some of the Irish teams, some of the English teams, um, and kind of beating it from there. Um, with Australia coming up this year, obviously, like quite a lot of players are going to Australia, so obviously that's quite a lot of money. Um, a couple of them are playing in the Champions League, which was an absolutely awesome experience, so we'll just have to pick up some friends whenever we can. And as you said, that experience is important for some of your players that are going on to play in the International Cup this year. Uh, already announced on the side, you've got uh, Ali Sutherland, Lou Smith, Melly McDivitt, uh, Carolyn Baker and uh, Caroline Seller. Five representatives already in the team. Fantastic. We've got quite a bit of representation in the GB Moretz and there's a couple of us still going for a spot. Myself going down to pieces in a couple of weeks trying to play in Australia. But to have five girls, fantastic achievement. 
That is fantastic. We obviously hope that they do uh, very well at this uh, International Cup uh, coming up in August. Uh, since I talked about those five players, can you tell us a little bit about what they're like, what their uh, style is like? Let's start off, of course, with uh, Caroline Sulla, who, if I'm correct, has been announced vice-captain of the Swans team. Yeah, Caroline Sulla is vice-captain of uh, Glasgow Sharks. She's vice-captain of the, G- the GB Swans, recently announced. Um, she's a fantastic leader on the park. Um, basically any position on the park usually plays in the forward line can rock absolutely smashed it in Amsterdam at the weekend I think she scored six goals or four games um, and they were only ten and a half so absolutely smashing the goals in as well um, she's a very big presence for the GB team Having a look at some of the other players, um, Melly McDibbitt was uh, uh, just announced uh, a while ago and there was an article on her on the GB Swans uh, website can you tell us a bit about her? Yeah, Melly McDibbitt um, would run all day played a brilliant tagging role for Scotland and Lisbon at the Euro Cup um, last year. And uh, how about Carolyn Baker? Oh, Carolyn Baker plays in the back line. Um, she's in Dublin just now, so she'll come back and play for the GB Swans. Um, absolute powerhouse in the back line. Um, not, not to be messed with, Caroline. She's extremely strong from a rugby background. Um, she's quite a linchpin for Scotland and will be for GB as well. And finally, the other two players are Lou Smith and Ali Sutherland. Lou Smith and Ellie Sullivan had absolutely fantastic competitions for GB Swans um, last year in London in the European Championships and again for Scotland um, and the Euro Cup in Lisbon. Um, Ellie's a midfielder generally, play, or plays half, um, half forward. We'd run all day for you as well. Um, she's pretty new to the game. Um, she got up to the kind of beginning of last year, but she's absolutely fantastic. And the progress she's made since she took up the game has is, is been outstanding. Um, Lou Smith... Um, from a rugby background as well, so we're in CB for them, a good partnership in the defence. While we're in the UK, we caught up with an Aussie over there, Hayley Canton, before she represented her country against the French as part of the Anzac Cup that's played every year on the 25th of April in Villas Bretonneau. And of course, coming up in 2018, they'll be celebrating the 100th uh, anniversary of that battle where Australia retook the town from Germany in World War One. Now, to be in this game, not only would you had to be an Australian or, or French, uh, but you had to have some type of connection uh, to Villas Bretonneau and Hayley Canton wanted to explain about um, her family's uh, involvement in the armed forces and why she wanted to play what it represented to her and we kicked off obviously by asking what's an Aussie doing over there at the moment in London (laughs) Uh, so I did the old Australian thing of moving over for a few months to teach and travel and then almost three years later I'm still here Uh, mainly because of the AFL club I found in London to be honest because it's like having a family over here which is great and, of course, you are part of the Wandsworth Demons. What is it to be part of this team? The team that, I should say, mind you, won the inaugural AFL London Women's League Premiership. Yeah, yes, we did. That was, um, I was lucky enough to be a part of that team, and it was amazing. Um, I think uh, what it means to be part of the Wandsworth Demons is just having a family over in London. Uh, we've got a boys, three boys' teams and now two girls' teams for the first time, which is really exciting. So just a really big group of people. Uh, the boys have been so welcoming and accepting and so it's just been a great thing to be a part of. Now, for those back at home that haven't been following or didn't see last year's article, can you tell us what this Anzac Day match is all about at Villas Bretonneau? Yeah, no problem. So it's uh, to celebrate the Battle of the Somme that happened 99 years ago this year, I think, uh, where the town of Villas Bretonneau was taken over and Australian and New Zealand troops fought to reclaim the town and now as a result of that the town loves Australians it's really small every year they decorate the town an Australian flag they put out koalas they put out kangaroos 
and uh, we go over and we play the French team just to kind of celebrate the relationship we have with the country and the town. Now, we should mention uh, with this Australian team that's playing, it's not necessarily that you're picking the best Aussies from anywhere available. There's a certain criteria, isn't there, that they, that they need to apply for to be able to play in this game? Yes, definitely. The team is picked based on people who have a real connection to the armed forces, whether personally or in their family. Last year, we had someone whose uncle, I think it was, was actually buried in the cemetery at the memorial there, which was a really emotional, exciting experience. Uh, This year, we've got another gentleman whose uncle was actually shot in the battle and uh, survived to make it home. So it's all about people's connection to the armed forces and if they do have them to the area itself. And for you personally, what is your connection Yeah, so both my parents were in the armed forces for over 20 years. So I was actually born while my mum and dad were in the army. And my dad, while he wasn't over in that area, so it was many years before his time, he went over and fought in Vietnam and also did a tour of Malaysia. And then my uh, great-grandparents and my grandparents both served in the armed forces. So I have a very close family connection. So it's an honour to go get to play and represent Australia in this team. And what does it mean for you to actually be bestowed upon the captaincy of the side? Um, It was a very unexpected surprise. It means a lot just because it's such a good group. I know a lot of the girls who are going and I just understand the, the meaning and the importance of the game and of the team. And so to be asked to be captain was a really, really big honour. And um, I really hope that I can do my parents and my country proud. Now, to obviously explain the game on the day, because it is a small town of Villas Britain, it is played on a soccer pitch, I'm correct, and it is like a nine-a-side game. Yes, yes, it is um, definitely on a smaller scale while France is still growing their teams and trying to build their numbers. So it is a different experience than what you would normally play, but I think it works out really well for us, especially with the French team being so quick and good with their marks and their kicks and makes it quite an even competition. And, of course, uh, it's not about just the game. Uh, there's a whole big um, uh, program of activities, isn't there, across several days that both teams participate in? Yeah, so when we first get over on the Saturday, we have a formal dinner at the town hall that the townspeople cook for us, which is an amazing experience. And we do speeches and we get to meet the locals and meet the French team and really foster that Australian-French relationship. Uh, then we play the game on Sunday after we walk through the town at 1030 and that's a real amazing experience because, like I said before, the town is just decorated with Australian flags, with Australian icons, and all the locals are out clapping and cheering for you, which is really amazing. And then on the Monday morning, I believe we are running a football clinic for some of the town's children because they all love football as well as a result of the love they feel for Australians. So we're going to put on a clinic and teach them the game, and hopefully they'll pick it up and love it as well. Oh, and of course, the, morning, the dawn service is the most important part on Tuesday. And, of course, we wake up and we go into the dawn service at the memorial and pay our respects there, which is an amazing experience. Indeed, and uh, certainly a special moment for everyone. Um, who are some of the players that uh, will be joining you on the Australian team this year? Uh, yes, so uh, and we have a girl called Grace Huston. I always say her last name wrong. She's got a really strong family connection to the Anzacs. We have a few Australians of Italian descent as well. Um, who have relatives in the Australian and the Italian kind of uh, armed forces. And we also have a few New Zealanders. We have Emma Lundell, who's from New Zealand, representing our trans-Tasman cousins, which is really exciting. Um, I think players to watch out for. Uh, we've got Yanka Valencizzi from the Wandsworth Demons. We have Izzy Carenti from the Wimbledon Hawks. 
And then we've got a few girls coming over from Germany and from France who I haven't had a chance to meet yet, but we're really excited to have them play for us as well. Excellent. That's great to hear that uh, all these uh, people from all kinds of different backgrounds are taking part in this uh, very special occasion. And uh, I know we're still going to play this year's, but uh, I guess planning is already starting to go ahead for next year, which is going to be even bigger uh, in 2018 when the 100th uh, anniversary of the Second Battle of villas Bretonneau uh, rolls around. Yeah, so we're very excited about that. We're not sure who'll get to play. Um, hopefully there'll be even more interest next year going in because I can just imagine it's going to be incredible. The town, like, it'll send shivers up your spine, I think. The dawn service and all the ceremonies and things that will go on will be really exciting. So if anyone is thinking about um, putting their name forward, I would highly recommend doing it for next year. It's an amazing experience. And just before we let you go, uh, back on the local front as well, uh, the AFL London uh, women's uh, pre-season competition uh, about to get away, if I'm correct, uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, down over in Chiswick, I think it is this weekend, there's been a last-minute change of venue, and that's really exciting. I think there's about six or seven women team playing on the weekend, um, including the Great Britain national side, so it would be really nice to try and bump them off, but they are looking very strong at the moment. Well, Hayley, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and uh, we wish you all the very best and hope you have a wonderful time over there at Villas Bretonneau. Thank you very much. Thank you for talking to me. This is the best of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. Earlier in the year, we caught up with Canadian Erin Regan. She plays for the Vancouver Vixens and she took up Aussie Rules football after originally being an ice skater. We asked how that journey came about. Uh, well, my friends uh, played for the Burnaby Eagles, uh, the men's team, um, but then I found out that there was actually a women's team out in uh, Delta. Um, Mike McFarlane, one of the coaches out there from West Coast Wildcats, has always had a strong junior program and as well at working towards getting youth involved and introduced to the sport here in BC, and I was thankful that they've run a women's team all this time and they uh, introduced me to the game. And then uh, the Northern Lights section, uh, Marlena Ginocchio, uh, sought out to developing a new team in 2016, which is the uh, Vancouver Vixens, to help grow BC Footy. And I jumped on board and now BC Footy has two women's teams. And uh, now in our second year, our Vancouver Vixens team culture is growing and BC footy is growing and the girls are really committed and been going great. And of course, you're playing with the Vixens. What's the list like there at the moment? How many players have you got signed up to your team? Oh, um, in our first year last year, we had about uh, 24 girls. And this year, we've got more or less the same, same amount of girls. So it's a pretty good start for a second year of a full contact sport. Yeah, excellent numbers there up in British Columbia. And, and what's the structure like there of the league? Because I believe Seattle Grizzlies also playing some games against you. Uh, are you playing more nine-a-side football? How, how's that work up there? Yeah, I think um, last week, well, last week Seattle Grizzlies came up and we had 11-a-side, which was pretty good. Um, and, you know, we've got some games where we'll travel with Seattle to Portland for some games. Um, so, yeah, we, we typically play 11, 12 a size. It's what we aim for. Um, West Coast Wildcats will sometimes come over with us and we'll either play against them or mix the teams as well for another kind of 12 side game. 
And what's the typical roster there like? How often are you actually getting out there to be able to play competitive matches? So we play games every two weekends, and um, the, we've paired it up nicely with the men's league as well. So every about every second Saturday, we'll play. There'll be three men's games, competitive matches, and then one women's game. And and like like we talked about that, so we mix the Seattle or the West Coast Wildcats and the Vancouver Vixens. Now, of course, you're part of the uh, program that's got two Canadian sides, the Northern Lights, of course, going to uh, IC17 in Melbourne, uh, the Midnight Suns travelling to London to take part in the London Footy Carnival. Um, how did you score your invite, and what did you first uh, feel like when you were part of this national training program? So, um, I, Marlena Ginocchio, uh, again, the girl I talked about earlier, um, who's played for the Lights before, she had kind of suggested to me, you know, this opportunities here um, for uh, girls in Canada. Um, you know, you've got a good sports background. You should come and try out for the Northern Lights team. And she just kind of explained what it looked like. Um, each year in June, we have the Kelowna Cup where Calgary, Alberta... Vancouver and Edmonton as well. We all play against each other um, in Kelowna and the Canadian coach Jason comes down and um, he kind of talks to all the girls each year about what it would look like if you if you try out for Team Canada. So um, me and some teammates just worked really hard throughout the summer and last September we went to Toronto and we tried out for the um, the team and it's really exciting. I've been playing footy for uh, four years now um, but this is the most representation the um, BC women have had on both of the national level teams. Between the Midnight Suns and the Northern Lights we've got um, eight players from BC so it's really exciting. That is fantastic to hear. Um, for yourself personally, what does it mean to be named in the number one team, in the Northern Lights team, that's not only heading down to Melbourne to play in the championship, the International Cup, but you are the reigning champions. You are defending the title. Yes, we are. Um, I was very, very excited and honoured to be um, part of, to be called as part of the Northern Lights team. So I've been working really hard all year with... Um, my, my teammates that are close by and um, some people from the men's team as well. Uh, we've been working hard on our running, our, our skills, and um, lots of fitness and strength training. Um, so uh, the, we have a camp coming up in um, this weekend in Calgary. Um, this is where uh, Jason Arnold and his uh, coaching staff have organized training camps for Midnight Suns and I know they're like teams, and we've had about eight months of preparation for this moment, so I'm excited to see everyone's hard work and progress, um, particularly in the fitness and skills. Um, so uh, the composition of the camp will be three-kilometer time trials, kicking tests, discussing our game plans, and then we get out onto the pitch to transfer plans into movement. Um, we might have a knowledge test as well on the thorough players guide created by our coaching staff and it's all about the foundations of how we will play our game at IC17 
with a team first mentality and with integrity and hunger and intensity. Um, I'm quite happy uh, as a new player that um, Jason Arnold and the coaching staff have created that um, player's guide. So for a new player, it's really helpful so I know kind of what the game plan is. Um, so, uh, and, and as a new player on the Lights team, you know, as a rookie, it was very easy to spot the tenacity, commitment, and passion on our team. So, even though we're, yes, we're, uh, we will be defending our title this year. And, and for that reason, there's been no easy breathing for us this year. So, we're the hunted and we're ready to fight and we're ready to defend our championship title. You mentioned earlier that you played other sports. What sports did you play, and how would you describe yourself as a footballer? Um, well, I actually started off figure skating for about 17 years and then uh, transferred into rugby and um, just wanted to change it up a bit. And then uh, then got into footy. Um, I would say my style right now is still... Um, with a lot of rugby inspiration, uh, I so transferring in. Even though the sports sometimes look like they have similarities, they're actually quite different in the way that you tackle and move the ball. So, um, as a footy player, I'd say that I look like a rugby player transferring into. A footy player. <laughs> and I need to ask the question, well, what have you found is, I guess, the toughest thing to master so so far in Aussie rules? Well, there's two. <laughs> um, I would say that when you're running, the part that's hard is uh, how the tackling is different. So, like, if I find the tackler, for example, um, you know, as soon as they get rid of the ball, you cannot, you should not finish your tackle. you got to let you know, let go and play on right away, whereas rugby typically finish your tackle. And um, if if you've got possession of the ball, um, it's so that that tackling piece, so um, disposing of the ball as soon as you're in contact as opposed to trying to just run through like you can with rugby. Now, as you mentioned, the squads have got a camp uh, coming up, uh, particularly for the uh, Northern Lights, um, and then it's only just uh, two and a bit to three months to go until IC17 in Melbourne. Between that camp and then, what's your plan to try and obviously keep fit, keep focused, and then uh, when do you expect to head into Melbourne for the uh, for the Carnival for the Championships? So for the next few months here, it's going to come up pretty quick, I think. Um, I'm going to keep training with my BC squad. Um, Adam Kelly, the Northwind assistant coach, has been invaluable to both our women's and men's club at the national level teams. Uh, throughout the week, he works with us in small and large groups, uh, probably up to about three times a week. Uh, he's always ready to provide constructive feedback, encourage boys on the field, and uh, he's got an incredible knowledge of the game. So he's been a great tool to have. Um, some other things that you know is really important for myself and my teammates to work on over the next few months isn't just the, the fitness and skills, but it's also managing recovery um, time with other demands that well, with managing recovery time with the cardio strength and skills is the, the balance that we all need to uh, be mindful of. Um, it's exciting, too, that, you know, the season here has started. We're 
two games into our club footy. So now um, me and my teammates, the white teammates that, you know, we've been training for the last eight months. Now we get to put that into our um, into gameplay uh, with our club teams for the next three months before we leave for uh, Melbourne. And Melbourne will leave. We're heading up there for July 30th. We're all going to meet there and train together as a team for a week before the tournament begins. And, of course, everyone's looking forward to that kicking off on August 5th. And what do you feel personally about that announcement that uh, on Saturday, August 19th, that obviously the top two teams that play off for the grand final will be playing on Etihad Stadium before an AFL match? Oh, it's incredibly exciting. I, I reckon the, um, the, the, the feeling when you play there, and the, it's, it's going to bring a whole other level of excitement um, as you play. So that's very exciting. And finally, before we let you go, has there been much talk uh, amongst the BC women about the AFLW competition that was played through February and March, and how much of it did you manage to catch? Well, I've got to admit, I was a big fan of uh, the Adelaide team, so I mostly watched around them. Um, You know, we were so lucky that that came on, or for me personally, it was such a bonus for me that that started this year. Um, because those ladies are a force and it's great to learn through them. Well, Erin, thank you very much for joining us here on the Girls Play Footy program and we uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in Melbourne in August when you run around for the Canadian Northern Lights. Great. Okay, thank you so much. Now, just before the footy season began here in Australia, a number of new teams were popping up left, right and centre that wanted to play women's football. One of them had actually already been established, the Rosebud women's football team. But due to a number of circumstances, uh, unfortunately, they didn't have the numbers to be able to participate in the AFL Southeast women's competition. Some players went up to Mornington, while others tried to scramble together to see if there was any chance they could still play together as a group and recruit new players. They would end up actually leaving Rosebud and going to a smaller town. Red Hill, where the community got behind them and they managed to start the first ever Red Hill women's footy team. Here's Kate Riley to talk about that journey. Well, we were originally with Rosebud Football Club and then Tuesday, out of nowhere, we were all of a sudden, we didn't have a team. We didn't have a club. And then Wednesday morning, come a few short phone calls and a rush to decide something, Red Hill Football Club picked us up. This sounds kind of crazy. This is April and you didn't have a football club and then it's all changed around. So let's let's jump back a bit. Um, when you were with Rosebud, that all formed, didn't it, something like 2013, 2014? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I wasn't with the club in uh, 2015, but I was with the club in 2016. And so they created out of, um, obviously nothing, a women's football team, which was super exciting for the peninsula. And um, and that was going great. Everything was great. And then I believe that um, a new um, president and committee all came into charge this year and all of a sudden women's footy wasn't for them. And this seems strange because we, we kind of understand if a club doesn't go down that road in October or November during the off-season, plenty of time to change. But this decision got hit with you on Tuesday night. How and when was the news broken to you? Well, it was only broken to us last week on Tuesday. Look, to be honest, um, we struggled 
um, through the pre-season of this year, we hit a lot of obstacles of the club constantly um, putting things in our way to keep going with our women's team, like um, uh, fees and recruitment and um, numbers to the team. Um, they just thought that we weren't, uh, I guess, dedicated or committed. Um, but we kept going through these obstacles and succeeding them. Um, and we played our first practice match, not last week, but the weekend before, with 18 players, which is a team. And, um, and then come Tuesday, they said, you don't have enough players, um, you don't have a team. And that's the end of it. That's crazy because uh, we've heard in the past, particularly I'd say with junior football, for example, where this happens more commonly, um, if a side doesn't have in a particular age group, for example, uh, enough players, they at least as a club put the uh, feelers out to another team saying, can we amalgamate this team? Can we send our players elsewhere so you can keep playing? So for you, it was just stone cold drop. That's it. Thanks for coming. See you later. Yeah, that was it. It was devastating to all the girls, especially the girls that had been there for two or three years. They were just devastated. And, um, but, you know, we did have a lot of strong players that were like, all right, like we can do this. We'll just, we'll go to another club. We'll go to Mornington. And a few girls, um, went to Mornington on the Wednesday night, so the day after, um, to go to their training. And, um, me and my sister, um, Tash, we were like, no. We can't, like, we created this club, it's amazing, we need to take our club and put it somewhere else. We don't want to join another club. <laughs> so what happened with, um, as you headed into Wednesday morning, uh, were the league notified at that stage and were you allowed to continue on or was there a ticking time clock that if the situation wasn't sorted, that was it, you were done as a collective team? We had 24 hours. It was an intense 24 hours because, as you would probably know, all the fixtures and the registrations, they'd all been sent in already, so you couldn't really just form another team. Um, so, basically, by chance, we um, had been told that Red Hill, you know, was a fabulous club, uh, um, a powerhouse club, and they don't have a women's team, so we were like, let's just call them and we'll just give it a try. And we called, and Roger, the president, um, without even a short of breath, he was like, yes, we want you. That's fantastic to hear that they've come to the rescue because, um, to be fair to say, um, trying to think of, um, uh, of the football in the Mornington Peninsula, Rosebud, I guess, at a men's type of level, Rosebud's one of those power clubs where I think Red Hill's more like a smaller rural club. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's, um, that's, I guess, where we struggled a little bit with understanding why they wouldn't want to keep on the bandwagon or jump on the bandwagon of women's footy when over the next, like, over last year and this year, like, it's just become massive. You know, like you said, Red Hill is a smaller club, um, but they were just 10 million times more welcoming than Rosebud ever was. So the decision was made Wednesday that you'd be at Red Hill. Have you had the chance yet to meet face-to-face with Red Hill or even train at Red Hill? I'm at Red Hill right now. (laughs) Um, We just um, finished um, the men's um, side play crib point today. So we watched them today and then we had um, uh, food and drinks afterwards and celebrated and, yeah, and we had our... um, we did our first training session on Thursday and we warmed up with the men, which was fabulous for them to include us and be so encouraging. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's really looking good.
So let's have a look at the challenges going forward. Um, how many women uh, that were part of your team at Rosebud have all 18 vowed to come across and join Red Hill? Yeah, look, we did lose a few, um, but it's understandable because going forth to Red Hill, we're going to be even less known than we were at Rosebud. So there's a few players that want to play a higher level of footy, and I totally support that. Like, they're good players, and they should definitely do that. Um, but we've got a solid team. I think we've got about... 15 that have come across, which is amazing. And then on our Thursday night training, our first training, we had about six new girls from Hastings and Red Hill that had heard that Red Hill was going to have a women's team and came along straight away. So that's fantastic. That's at least boosted you to 21. Yeah, yeah. I think on paper, we've definitely got a solid 25. That is fantastic news to hear, considering, as you said, you know, 48 hours beforehand, you looked like you weren't going to be playing a game of football. But the challenge has come that if the season's starting around May 6, May 7, you've got two and a half, three weeks now to get everything organised at Red Hill because you're not the same colours, you're a completely different jumper. What needs to, what needs to happen now to get the wheels in motion to jumpers, socks, shorts, etc. to now be Red Hill? Yeah, well, basically, to start with, the AFL have been amazingly supportive. Um, for instance, they let us make this team and this club um, past the deadlines because, obviously, they felt sorry for us and they love women's footy. <laughs> um, and so the president is going forth so fast with organising our jumpers and sponsors Um and, I mean, it's really just we've just got to get our registration paid, <laughs> the hard one. <laughs> but that's about it. Well, that, that brings up an interesting point as well because you, you were paying registrations and fees, etc., at um, at uh, Rosebud, and I, and I imagine you were putting money forward to getting training uniforms, uniforms to play, etc. Do you get any of that money back or is that all gone? <laughs> um, well, unfortunately, with the uniforms and that that we had bought, we did not receive any of that money back, but we did receive our registration money back, which is kind enough. That's all we needed. Um uh, but we had a slight um, hiccup at Rosebud where they said that we didn't need to pay our registration until the first match. Um, and then, so we'd all paid a $50 deposit just to say, yes, we're playing. And then we didn't have to pay the other $100 until the first match. So obviously, girls, you know, women's footy, there's a lot of mums, you know, there's mm. casual workers. It's all about the game. You know, the money comes afterwards and they'll save for that. And so... And then on Tuesday, they said, oh, sorry, the Thursday before the Tuesday, um, they said, you need to pay the next $100 tomorrow. That's the deadline. Oh, jeez. And we were like, yeah. And so obviously that hit a bump in the road and not everybody could pay that, unfortunately. Um, so I guess that was an, another one of the reasons that they um, shut us down, unfortunately. Um, but... Uh, so who paid that? Um, we've got that money back and we've put that into Red Hill to get the registration organised. Um, and then we've just got to get some sponsors involved because Red Hill is letting us, um, as well as the player sponsor um, money that you can get for $100, they're also telling us that we can cover all our registration with player sponsors, which at Rosebud they wouldn't let us... Um, have any leeway with sponsors or registrations or anything. 
So that'll be a big help for the girls once we get that organised. And with the team that we have, the um, the management team and the coaching team will be able to get sponsors so easy. And I've seen as well that I think some of your coaches and uh, volunteers and supporters, etc., that were at Rosebud have come across with you to Red Hill. Yeah, and it just shows that if you're a positive team and you're lovely people, those sort of people will follow you, and that's exactly what happened. Our, um, yeah, our, all our volunteers and our coach, they all followed us to Red Hill because we're just a tight-knit group and we just love each other and want to play footy. Well, it's fantastic to hear. And before I let you go, just in case there's anyone listening that's got friends down on the peninsula and they've been a bit late to the starting gun about wanting to play women's footy this year and are thinking about trying to find a club or they're looking to sponsor the club as well, um, how can they uh, contact you at the Red Hill Football Club and what nights you're training? We are training on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 5.30 till 7. And a contact number can be my number. I'm running a few of the um, management um, queries with the manager. Um, so you can contact me on 0401261119. Congratulations on being able to find that uh, other club and we wish you all the very best in the competition throughout 2017. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that concludes the Best of Girls Bay Footy on RSN Carnival for this week. A friendly reminder, you can download this program as a podcast by going to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company, and we look forward to catching you next year.